I've been directly involved in the launch of over a dozen multi-site campuses through the churches I've led, and half of them have been in movie theaters. I'm convinced that every church leader should consider using a theater for your next campus or church plant. They're flexible, culturally relevant locations, typically in the center of the community that you're trying to reach. Regal is the only theater company with a dedicated team of full-time consultants ready to help your church launch and succeed in a movie theater. Check out Regal Theater church.com for more information on locations your church could use. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. My name's Rich, the host around these parts. So glad that you decided to tune in today. Uh, happy Thursday. We know you've got a lot going on at your church, and we're honored that you would pop us in your earbuds today, that you would take some time out uh, to lean in, and uh, you're going to be rewarded today. We've got a great conversation lined up with Jason Berry from 12 Stone Church. You maybe have heard of 12 Stone. It's a fantastic church in Georgia. Uh, they currently have nine campuses, I believe, if I can keep track. It seems like there's more <laughs> More happening all the time. Uh, 12 Stone is one of the fastest growing churches uh, in the country. Lead guy is a guy by the name of Kevin Myers, a fantastic church. Jason, uh, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much, man. Looking forward to hanging out for a little bit with you guys. Oh, I really appreciate that. Why don't you tell us, for two things, give us kind of um, you know a, a slice of 12 Stone. Kind of tell us a little bit of what would people expect if they came to tw- of 12 Stone. And then tell us about your role there. Oh man, Twelve Stones a really interesting place. It, it'd be like a lot of mega churches, I suppose that you'd, you'd go into. Uh, we'd like to think we're friendly. Hopefully, if you came, you would experience that. Coffee's a big part of our culture. We love uh, to caffeinate people, help them yes. get uh, get the energy they need for the day. Uh, our, our worship experience, we, spiritual intensity, is one of our strands of our DNA, and so worship isn't a throwaway or a warm up worship. In the musical sense, is a huge part of our culture, and so we would hope you'd experience God in that. And then uh, teaching for us, relevance is a term that's been thrown around a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I don't say that word cheaply as a throwaway. We're relevant. Hey, congratulations. Yes, we're hip and uh, cool. <laughs> correct. Look at us. Uh, but we do hope it actually applies to life. We want mm-hmm. we, we actually believe theology and real life actually connect in, in, in a very real way. And so the way we view God and the way we engage with God should change everything about our life. And so our teaching is... Uh, pretty practical, pretty helpful. And uh, on the way out, we, we, we a lot of times have fun in the lobbies and uh, giveaways and fun sort of hangout sort of stuff. We want to create environments where people can be a part of not just a service and an experience, but be a part of a, of a family. And so the, the, the tagline I use a lot, and mm-hmm. it's my own, and so don't attribute it to Kevin. He might, <laughs> he might say no, but I, I use it internally, is we want to be the largest local church on the planet. Mm. Uh, we, we actually want to stay local, and for us, that means relationships really do matter. We want people, we want our campus pastors to know faces and names, and we want staff to be connected to people. And it's not just a, a big hurrah on the weekends. It's a, it's actually a local church broken up into nine places. So mm. that's a slice of kind of what we do. My role in that, uh, my title is now the Associate Executive Pastor. Nice. Uh, what does that mean? That's a great question. <laughs> it's a little bit different I, every I day. I have a similar title where it basically means, hey, we can shove anything on your role that we want. <laughs> you and I are kindred spirits, man. Kindred <laughs> yes, spirits. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so I worked with 
Oh, yeah, that's it. So I work with Dan Ryland. He's our executive pastor. He's been here for 13 years or so. Uh, I'm biased, but he's he's kind of the man in the executive pastor world, so I get to learn from the best. Um, and my world is is leaning into the ministries. Uh, I, I lead the ministry kind of design sort of side of what we do in ministry, uh, from next gen to spiritual formation to uh, creative arts and production and logistics. And so what do we actually do and why do we do it in ministries kind of in my in my side of the world? Nice. Well, for people that uh, have been listening to the podcast for a while, we actually had Dan on the podcast. It would be just over a year ago now. um, Mm -hmm. And it was right as, you know, 12 Stone was embarking on what I thought was crazy, which was to go uh, to really add five campuses in one day. Um, and from what I understand, Jason, you are the master man, man behind that. You know, you obviously played an incredible, critically important role uh, in the midst of that. So I'd love to kind of pull apart uh, some of that, you know, some of your learnings, uh, kind of your part of that. You know, obviously, an you know, incredible thing that's happened at 12 Stone is, you know, it, you know, incredible growth over these last number of years. How what has that looked like from the inside? What are some of the lessons you're learning? Yeah, I would, I'll take the mastermind term and I'll push it up to Kevin Myers, he's the dreamer, he's the visionary, and Dan is the genius. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's been an, it's been an awesome, awesome year and a half. Lots of learning. Um, if you remember a year ago in the podcast, we launched five, and they're all portable. Mm-hmm. And we'd only tried one portable campus before, mm-hmm. and it went pretty well. And so we said, why not? Why not do five? That makes sense. <laughs> That's uh, the next logical step. <laughs> yeah, sure. One to five. That, that yes. makes sense. Have one kid. That that works great. Let's just add five on the same day. Right. Uh, it's it's been a really really cool year. We've had we've got a chance to see a lot of cool growth. Uh, numerically, but also really in life, life change. We saw in the first year with those five close to 700 first-time salvations in the wow. five campuses, which wow. is just awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and as an organization, as you can imagine, that changed us in a big way. Mm-hmm. We had four campuses previous, and they were all in buildings we owned, mm-hmm. and we had 24-7 access to, and then we, we added five that were all portable. And so we had to build a lot of new systems, a lot of new approaches to ministry. Uh, how do we approach uh, one campus of 10,000, another campus of 3,000, two campuses of 1,000, and then five of five to six to 700? Mm. Those are all different ecosystems. And so mm. we had a lot of experimenting this year of how do we actually do that? Mm-hmm. And so that, that was a lot of our year was honestly answering questions like that. Hmm. Now, over the years, you know, your church obviously has grown a lot. There's a lot, incredible amount of has happened. You know, one of the things I've, you know, I think I heard you reflect on that, you know, it kind of have, um, you know, helping a church kind of make a transition from kind of organic leadership to kind of system or strategic leadership, you know, mm-hmm. without really losing the heart or the soul in the midst of that. I'd love to dive into that today. I think that's yeah. an issue that I think a lot of church leaders are are looking for. They're like, gosh, we, we, we want to grow. Uh, we want to add leaders. We want to add systems and structure because we know that gives us strength and the ability to reach more people. But I don't want to become automaton. I don't want to become make this robotic. Um, I don't want this to be, um, you know, to lose its heart and soul. So I, let's. What What are some of the things you've learned or some of the ways you lead through that process? Yeah, I think we. Probably the best lesson that that I learned mm-hmm. in this was by a mistake at the very beginning, right. um, which is hashtag leadership, I suppose. Um, <laughs> Early on, as we looked at centralizing, it was it was based on a need, based on something that we looked around saying we have to figure out how to to keep some leadership autonomy, but mm-hmm. but to pull back some uh, some system autonomy. There's things that we had campus pastors chasing 
that we were wasting their, we call it the, the five hours. Everyone's got five hours in their week that they should be able to use to respond to a God prompt Holy Spirit thing, a random person that drops by, a phone call that you know, this, this could suck my week and I could completely sink into this, but we need the five hours. And our campus pastors and our campus leaders were spending so much time just recreating the wheel and spinning their their 10% preference or their 10% leaning that we were losing that the magic isn't the right word in theology but you get the thought like <laughs> yes. the magic 5 hours to get take the next ground the next soul the next person and so we we knew we had to 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 bring things more centralized and mm. probably at the beginning I would say it this way our highest value um in the centralization unknowingly was conformity Mm. And leaders hate conformity, the thought of conform. <laughs> Here's the mold. Let me squish you into the mold. Yes. And we actually hire leaders. Like we, we, we want type A driven entrepreneurial guys. And mm -hmm. the thought of conformity to an entrepreneur is like death. Right. And unknowingly, we began to build fences of conformity. Here's where you have to stay in, inside of. Mm -hmm. And the guys, their maturity was so high they didn't revolt. But we watched – some of the life being sucked out of the organization. And so mm. we shifted the value from conformity to unity. Mm. Um, and unity is, a, is just a better, truer, higher value. The goal is not that we stamp out the next license plate and mm. call it a campus, but the goal would be that we're one, that we're right. one team chasing one thing. And and uh, unity is, is less of a fence. It's more of a guardrail. It's, guys, here's the edges we don't want you to fall off of, and here's why. Mm. But inside of that guardrail – lead like crazy, give us new feedback and ideate new ideas and, and, and innovate and pass the innovation up so we can help everybody uh, in, in the best practices and the best ways to do things. And so that for us, it seems like a small change mm. and it might be a 2% shift and it's a 51-49 type of thing where it's 51% unity over conformity and that really changed the game for our, our campus pastors and our guys that they, they didn't feel like we were trying to create robots we were trying to free them to lead and do the things that only they can do locally, which allow us to be what we hope to be someday the largest local church on the planet. We need that kind of thinking. And so mm. that's a that's a 30,000 foot kind of value sort of a, approach to that. No, that's very good. You know, I, I know, um, you know, in the past I've said in other contexts, I'm, you know, it doesn't take a great leader to get 10 leaders in the room and say, okay, everybody think something different. That's what <laughs> leaders do, right? Yeah. What it does, it does take a great leader to get 10 leaders, legitimate leaders in the world and say, we're going to think about these things together. Let's focus on these things together. How do we kind of put our collective energy on these things? That's a totally different kind of leader. That's a, yes. that, in fact, that's a higher form of leadership than just like, hey, everybody do your own thing. <laughs> um, now, kind of as you've wrestled through that, as you've tried to say, hey, let's focus on unity um, rather than fences. Or, you know, if you do this, we're going to give you, send you electric shock therapy. Uh, <laughs> if you step out of line, um, what are some of those kind of, how, how, have you, how, how do you unpack that with your people? Yeah, uh, honestly, when we're making a change um, or we're making a shift, we tend to allow our leaders to sit in the the uncomfortableness, not a great term, but the, the thoughts there, the, the uncomfort of the old system 
mm-hmm. for long enough for them to feel the pain of it mm-hmm. so that when we make a hard shift or a hard turn, they're almost saying thank you now where six months ago they would have said, you've got to be kidding me. You're killing me. You're taking away. My, my, this is my mm-hmm. firstborn. I loved it. Mm-hmm. And if you let them sit in that long enough and allow them to experience, and that's a, that's a tension obviously because we don't want to stall the church mm-hmm. to allow them to feel the pain. But there's just an edge. Leaders always feel pain a little bit earlier than the people. Right. And so if we can let the pain uh, or the uncomfort of the old system sit just long enough that they're going, all right, we got to make a change. We've already been building that change underneath the surface and quietly for the last three months so that when they when they feel that, we go in and go, guys, we all feel this pain. Here's what we're going to go do. We're going to go throw this switch, and this is going to allow us to go do this, and it's going to free you up to do that. And that is one of the best. I learned that from the master of, of Kevin and Dan. They, they just mm. do that so well, mm. and that's allowed us over the past almost 30 years, and I'm only 34, so I'll mm. say collective us, yes. to reorg and reshift probably 15 times in the last 30 mm. years, and that's mm. kind of their strategy to do that. And then when we do make that shift, we invite the staff into a feedback loop of, mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to bring the, the initial change, we want you to sit in it and lead through it for a season, and we want feedback along the way so that we can continue to innovate and make things better, and the next layer, and the next layer, and so we, we're, we're a we have an org chart and there's layers and there's stuff because you have to to exist. But mm-hmm. we we're uh, we actually invite feedback. Feedback is not a feedback can either be can be thrown at you or you can request it. And we're mm-hmm. we're a church that actually requests feedback. Please give feedback. We don't want to sit in mediocre. If something's can be can, can be done better or shifted, we want that feedback. And so we allow we allow that to happen. And then now, just on yeah. that for for a second, how are you? Um, so let's take a scenario like this. You're you're looking to centralize a part of what you're doing. You know, there's a system that at one point we were saying, let's say, you know, all the campuses, you just kind of figure out what you want to do on that. But now we think, you know, this is probably the moment we felt the pain of that. We, you know, let's let's centralize it. Um, we're going to talk to our campuses about that. We're going to gain their feedback. We want to ask for, you know, to their, you know, invite them to help, you know, make the decision around that to tell you, you know, hey, this is what we're thinking. But let's say, or or help me understand, how do you take that feedback, listen to that feedback, uh, but you know maybe you end up going in a slightly different direction. Maybe you end up saying, you know, we're not going to necessarily go exactly the way that our campus teams want to go in this thing. Mm-hmm. How have you led through that process? What has that looked like for you? Yeah, that's that's the real world of leadership. All this stuff is great on paper until. Mm-hmm. Uh, until a campus or an individual person would push back. The way we look at it from a measuring standpoint is if there's if there's nine campuses that are all struggling in something, it's probably us. It's the it's the centralized side. Right. If eight are killing it and love it and it's great, and there's one guy that seems to be drifting or pushing mm. against it That's or saying it's insight. not working, it's probably it's probably a local leadership issue. Mm-hmm. Now we're a developmental culture, so guys have very little fear that a mistake equals being fired because. Right. We just don't we don't work that way. Do we develop guys? And so what that does, if there's one or two campuses that are pushing back against something that the other seven are saying, it's working for me. I kinda I actually kinda like this. Mm-hmm. It gives us an opportunity to go in there and actually sit down and have a leadership conversation. Mm-hmm. What is really going on under the surface? Is this right. something where you're you, you you don't know how to lay something down that you're personally connected to? Is this a is this an arrogance issue? Is this an ignorance issue? Of just you don't understand? We didn't do a good job of communicating why we're doing this, and we can go in there and help help lead that out. So we've had many of those one-off conversations, and then we've also seen ideas we thought were going to be great, and and eight of the nine just go 
guys, this just isn't going to work. And then we have to own that and say, hey, that's our bad. Let us take it back to the drawing board and come present you guys with a with a new approach. So again, that's another ethereal kind of thought, but that's that's how we would approach that. And every individual example is so different. Right. And every campus pastor's got a different passion. We got guys leaning towards the small group thing and they love that. Other guys love the creative. And so every every campus pastor has a different kind of bent in that way. Mm-hmm. Now, in the midst of that, how are in this of these kind of changes or this kind of centralization process you're going through, how are you communicating this change? What is that, you know, looking like? How are you, you know, letting, you know, kind of folks know? What do the inside of that look like? Uh, oh yeah, we've sat down with all kinds of different groups and we circle uh, the, the concept is get the right people in the right room for the right topic and the right agenda. Mm. And so we would gather uh, the campus pastors would care about a very different part of this than all of the children's ministry leaders across the church or all of the spiritual formation small group type pastors. And so we would gather the right group in the right room. And honestly, we'd walk through very similar to what I explained. Listen, we've all felt this. We all have, we, let's, let's start with what we share in common. We all, for small groups, we all want to see more people get into spiritual community and we all want to see people take steps uh, closer to God in their life. And we all want the same thing. Mm-hmm. We've watched this play out for the last two years and it's been great for a season. Mm-hmm. But now as we sit here, I think we can all agree we're kind of stuck. We've hit a ceiling. And if we don't go after what's next, we're all stuck. And at mm-hmm. this point, allowing them to sit in that pain, they're all nodding along. Mm-hmm. And so by the time you roll out, it's, and so guys, here's what we believe is what the next season for us is. Mm-hmm. And it's casting vision based on the stuff we all already agree on. We want to see more people in groups, more people here. And then we give people opportunity in that meeting, A, ask questions, let's dialogue. This is mm-hmm. not presentational, it's it's conversational. And then it's an open door policy. As you as you leave, you're gonna have, those of you who are processors, you're gonna have questions. Right. My office is open, let's come talk it through. And you guys are gonna have better ideas down the road than we have today, but we have to start somewhere. And here's where we have to start. And let's lay the tracks and then you guys can help us decide which direction we start to lean as we move forward. Mm, very cool. Um, what about, you know, you know, sometimes they talk about the reins, you're holding tight to the reins, loose to the reins. Is there, um, you know, kind of a reflection on that as, you know, over time, do you, are you super loose at the beginning, kind of see how it goes? What does that look like for you? Yeah, I think early on what we have to lean into is a little bit more of a hard line, like guys, here's where we're sticking. And we've got, mm. if we change more than one variable, it's hard to measure the, the result. You know, if we right. change 17 things and give 17 different ways for this to happen, if it doesn't work or if it absolutely wins incredibly, what what caused that to win or lose? It's hard to measure that. So we try to keep it for the first season. Here's, here's the guardrails we're going to live in and they're kind of tight. And then as we figure out, yes, this is working. Yes, this is right. We, we slowly begin to loosen those those reins up to go, okay, now let's bring innovation back. Mm-hmm. Well, when we make a, when we flip a switch, we just introduced massive innovation and change to the church. Mm-hmm. What we don't want to do is add more than we've already just, just uh, put in the organization. And so once we live in that for a little bit of time, then we open up the reins of now let's re-innovate. Now that we've all lived mm-hmm. in it long enough, mm-hmm. And we've all proved we can submit to each other. And mm-hmm. one of our terms is mutual voluntary submission. We both mm-hmm. mutually voluntarily lay ourselves down for the other. Once we've proven we can do that, then everything else is on the table to mm-hmm. go and make better. Mm-hmm. So. Do you have an example of kind of, you know, how like an area where you've had to kind of hold firmly and then, yep. you know, have seen that kind of roll out? Uh, I'll make it really practical. Um, yeah. Our worship pastors, we hired five worship pastors to the five new campuses. The yeah. four guys we had before had been here for years and they they known our culture, they get us and we gave they had a, a good amount of freedom to go, 
we, we would deliver, here's the worship set and the service for the weekend, and they had a good amount of freedom to go. This song just doesn't land in our context. And, man, I, I'm going to do an acoustic set this weekend because our people just really respond well to that. And we all kind of had to voluntarily, for the first year of the nine campuses, all say we're going to all do the same worship set almost without fail for 12 months straight. And that was really tough for our four, and it was a, a huge gift for the new five because they didn't have the time right. to go and reinvent the wheel. And so for that first year, we locked in, and for the first time in our history as a church, nine campuses all doing the same three to five songs in the same order, in the same way, with similar prompts for a whole year. And just two months ago, we started the conversation of, guys, first of all, we're proud. Holy cow, we're proud of you guys. You guys... Mm -hmm show maturity to a new level. Mm -hmm. And now let's start the conversations of what does it look like for us to start giving the freedom back to say, if this tune is not working in your context, there's a more rural campus or a more, right. a more uh, city type camp, we want to give the freedom to go, man, that techno-ish kind of opener just never lands for us. Right. Okay, let's, we want to give that freedom back. Now that you understand the value of why we choose songs like we do and what we're trying to create, we now can trust people to actually to make tweaks and changes, and we want that as a part of our culture because leaders, again, don't want conformity. They want unity, and so mm -hmm. conformity is not God in a worship set. Mm -hmm. We want that to be effective and fruitful, and we want to steward the, the people that God's given us really well. So that's a really practical example of kind of tight reins and now starting to find that the pendulum back to the middle again. Very cool. Well, how how much this, you know, would you say this kind of shift to a more centralized approach really is what enabled you to go from four to nine? You know, if, if you were to think back how the first four were operating before you made that transition, do you think you would have, you know, would there still be those five open today? You know, or would you be, would the wheels have come flying off? Well, what do you think about that? Yeah, that would have been really difficult. Uh, the, the One of the reasons we do multi-site is so that we don't have to rehire a new senior pastor and 18 new staff at a campus. The purpose of this is to be more efficient, more effective, mm -hmm. and allow us to reach more people quicker. We could have done it. Mm -hmm. It would have just not been – it wouldn't have felt like 12 stone at the new five, and we'd have had to hire twice to three times the amount of staff right. because – the whole purpose is the centralized team delivers that so that they can do the things that only they can do locally. The people in the seats don't care who came up with the worship set or who wrote the children's curriculum. They care that they know their pastor. They care so that their true. kids have been led well. And so we have to free them up to do that. So if we wouldn't have centralized, it would have cost us a fortune of time, of talent, of treasure, of money, all that stuff to just do the same thing we did this year mm -hmm. with a very lean staff who are really focused locally. Mm -hmm. So I don't see how we could have pulled it off without bedlam and mayhem happening you know, over the past 12 months. So we really had to make that shift and are continuing to innovate what does that next layer of that shift look like. So Very cool. Anything else you'd like to share kind of before we move on uh, to the rest of the episode? Yeah, I think one of the unique things we bring is MVS, Mutual Volunteer Submission. It's mm -hmm. one of the things I think uh, that we that we do uniquely well, and mm -hmm. it's led from our senior pastor and Dan Rowland. Their relationship is something of the model for our church. Mm -hmm. uh, Kevin Myers could tell Dan to do jumping jacks until his face turns blue, and technically he's the boss. Right. He never takes that, uh, that privilege. Mm -hmm. Dan Ryland could uh, could push hard against the staff and say to Kevin, the staff is this, and I, you, you have to make this change. Mm. It's just incredible to watch those two guys submit to each other right? and to have a senior pastor in a room full of the entire staff look to, to Dan, our XP, and say, 
hey, Dan, would you make any tweaks on that? And Dan, live in the room, is fully trusted. He goes, Kevin, I might tweak that this way or that way. Mm-hmm. And there's no, they don't have to do that. They mutually voluntarily submit to each other. Mm-hmm. And that has leaked down into our staff where a, a, a campus pastor to a staff he would lead the same way to his staff of we want, and I think that's how we create a healthy feedback kind of a culture here at 12 Stone. So that's that's a one-off, but I think it's, it's a helpful piece to how this whole thing works here at 12 Stone. This is the Unseminary Podcast, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. We're going to jump into the lightning round, that part of the episode where we ask similar questions of everybody that's on the show. Today, we're super privileged, honored to have Jason Berry with us from 12 Stone Church. It's been a great conversation so far. Uh, Jason, what's an online resource that you're using these days that's particularly helpful? Oh, it's probably cliche, but Evernote's a big deal, yes. being able to keep all your files and all your notes on all your devices. And for me, it helps in the quick little coffee meeting where someone says something and you go, that's gold. And you type it and it's not just lost in some text message. It's right. it's somewhere simple for me. So that's what I use. Yeah, I probably need to re-ask this question of what's an online resource that's not Evernote that you're exactly. you know, it's so good. Evernote Planning Center. I mean, yeah, this, <laughs> this episode, once again, brought to you by Evernote. Uh, it's, a great, uh, it's a great thing. What's a book you've read in the last, I don't know, six months to a year that's had an impact on your thinking and ministry? Uh, I've been talking a lot about feedback, and it's probably because I'm reading a lot about feedback, but Thanks for the Feedback by Stone and Seen. Mm. Uh, it's a really great book that just unpacks the the not just the value of feedback, but how, uh, how organizations that do feedback well have created an environment where the best idea wins and the mm. best idea doesn't get squashed down in the in the lower level of some corner of the organization. So that's been a really helpful thing for us as we continue to invite feedback across the organization. Very cool. What's another ministry that you're looking to that inspires you? Uh, man, I have a real bent towards Christ Church of the Valley oh, out in uh, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, their their uh, senior pastor Don Wilson, Ashley Woolridge, their their XP, just phenomenal thinkers. They're mm-hmm. they're a step or five ahead of where we are right now, but they think really well. They've been really helpful to us as we've been asking questions of how did you, how did you guys make this decision? How do you fall? And every church is different. You can't just take their stuff and superimpose right. it on your culture. But they they do some really great stuff. Their ministry to men is like nothing I've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. So it's a great, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal church. Very cool. If you could get fifteen minutes with any leader alive, um, who would you want to get that with, and why? <laughs> Let's continue the clicheness of this interview. <laughs> For me, it's Billy Graham, man. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. The, the longer you live and the more you see the next cool hype ministry come up and fall and come up and disappear and come up. And there's something to the timelessness of Billy Graham where he, oh, he's just true. done it well for so long. And there's never been a scandal or a mess up. And sure, he's not perfect, but he's just, he's finished so well. So that's a guy I'd love to just chat with for 15 minutes. No, oh, absolutely. For sure. All right. Well, I'm sure being in your role, you know, you've got a lot going on at 12 Stone. You just want to kick back, have some fun. You know, what is what does that look like for you? Oh, gosh. Whenever that does happen to, to happen. <laughs> uh, uh, golf is always a fun, fun sort of a deal. I'm oh, a nice. movie guy. Yep. Uh, man, throw a, throw a Blu-ray in and hang out with the family and eat some pizza is always a blast. And then I'm in Georgia, so shooting stuff is never a bad thing in the <laughs> South. <laughs> no, it's so true. that works as well. That's that works great. as well. Well, Jason, I appreciate you being on the show today. If people want to get in touch with you or the church, what's the best way to do that? Uh, the church's website is probably the best way to do it at this yep. point. It's 12stone.com. Is, yep. It's uh, www.12stone.com. Hop on there, and we've got lots of resources. And then resources.12stone.com is our kind of free website where it's got everything from org charts to staffing approaches to leadership teachings, and we give a lot of that away. So feel free to jump on there as well. Nice. Well, I appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you so much for taking time out. 
Thank you. Thank you. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.